Today, we're going to have a traditional, if you will, Easter message. Now, I want you to know that while this is a fundamental message, it's a core message to the gospel, it's not elementary. And I think a lot of people get the two confused. They think about fundamental messages as elementary messages. They say, oh, well, I've heard that before. I heard, it, heard that in the past. But the fundamental core tenets of the gospel are actually what give the gospel its potency. And so some of you have already recognized the title of the message today, which is, Oh, death, where is your sting? And today I want to talk about our Lord, our Savior, our teacher, our prophet, our founder, better said, our God, and how he has triumphed over death, hell and the grave, and delivered us from the sting of death. How many of you guys are ready to hear a message about the resurrection glory that you have received through the free mercy and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? So just because you've heard it before doesn't mean you don't get to say amen. Can I get two good amens? Right? So if you believe it, if you've heard it before, I need to know it because I'm preaching to you and we're going to preach each other today. How's that? And if you haven't heard it before, I want you to buckle up and prepare yourselves because you're about to hear a life transforming message, not from me, okay? Not from me, but from the gospel, what God has to say about why he sent his son and what that means for your life. Because the cross changes everything. I'm gonna try this side. So the cross changes everything, amen? And I'll go back to you guys. And Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, changes everything. Amen? So I want to ask you, open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm going to read from one of the longer chapters in the Bible. And uh, I love 1 Corinthians 15, and I love the fact that it's lengthy, because the Apostle Paul goes to great lengths to talk about this truth that we're going to study today, which is the truth of the resurrection. Are you guys ready? Yeah. So just open up. I'm going to, have, um, going to have it there on the screen in just a moment. But what we're studying here, talking about resurrection, talking about the very fact that Jesus resurrected himself from hell, death, and the grave is a very important study for all of us that confess to be Christians. In fact, it is so paramount for all of history, all of time, and all of humanity because the very fact that Jesus rose again changes the game. It changes the game for all of humanity. I mean, if you think about what we're celebrating today, Easter is the celebration of the resurrection. That is something that is quite unique in every world religion that's out there. I mean, as Christians, we're literally celebrating a man's resurrection from the dead. Now, that's not something that you read on the news each week, right? We don't hear about people resurrecting from the dead. Do you guys hear about that very often? I don't hear about it very often. You know, but this claim, this outrageous claim, this wild and crazy claim that the God that we serve made himself a man, made himself of no reputation, was given to be crucified and three days later rolled away his own gravestone and stepped out victorious over death. This claim that we make as Christians is so paramount to all of history. And this is actually what sets us apart from every other religion. Yeah. 
If you go and you want to visit the tomb of Jesus, you can do that and see that it's empty because he rose again and he is alive today. The fact that we proclaim that he is alive is what makes us Christians. That he is risen. Come on, you guys got it. Because he is risen, right? Hey, we only get to do this once a year, so I'm going to wear it out today. But this is important. This is so key. I mean, if you want, you can go to the Green Dome in Medina, Saudi Arabia, and you can see the burial place of the Prophet Muhammad. And, you know, that's the founder of the Islam religion. You can go to India. You can see where uh, Buddha was cremated and where his ashes were scattered. You can see his resting place. You can also visit India once more if you'd like to understand the Hindu religion a little bit more. And even though they don't credit having anyone founder, any individual, as the person starting Hinduism, they do have a long list of holy men or gurus, and you can see the very resting places that they have. You can visit their graves, you can go to the source of the Ganges, you can see where ashes have been scattered, and you can visibly recognize the final resting place of these quote-unquote holy men. And even in Nashville, where New Age religion is kind of taking off, you know, people look at New Age and they say, well, New Age is all about not finding God out there, but it's about finding God in here. In fact, I am God. Well, bummer for you, you're going to die. Right? That's the truth. We're all going to die. We're all humans made of flesh and blood. One day, right, we're going to die. And so death is a fact. It's a reality for all of humanity. But what sets Christians apart is that we claim and we confess allegiance to a man that did die but got up again. That he resurrected and he triumphed over death. And this confession, this proclamation is what makes us Christians. And that's what we're celebrating today. Easter is not about bunnies and egg hunts and candy, although I love the candy. I hope one of you guys brought your pastor an Easter basket because I was hoping for some Cadbury eggs today. Right? I don't think anybody brought one, but it's not about that. What it's about, it's about the resurrection. And, and really, when you think about this, I mean, we've heard it our whole lives, right? So we've become accustomed to hearing the fact, oh, Jesus resurrected. But this is actually a bold claim. Can you imagine never hearing this before and hearing a story about a man who lived over 2,000 years ago who was crucified, given capital punishment only to resurrect himself on the third day? I mean, it's a preposterous claim, but that is what you and I confess as Christians. And this is what sets us apart, that our God is risen, that he is alive, that he has triumphed over death. And with that being said, let's read really an ancient psalm, a song. Really, it's taken from the Old Testament passage of Hosea, but Paul quotes it and, 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 and says it once more here in 1 Corinthians 15 as he expounds upon a lengthy chapter in Scripture about the resurrection from the dead. He starts by saying this, O death, where is your victory? As a Christian, you have been delivered from death's victory in your life. Let that sink in. You have been delivered from the victory that death could claim over you because of what Jesus did. He continues, O death, where is your sting? 
Not only does Jesus have the final word in life and death, but the very sting of death, the very intimidation of death, the very fear of death is no more because of what Jesus did when he resurrected on Easter Sunday. We no longer have to be afraid of dying because we recognize that we have already died, that we died with Jesus. We were in him when he went to Calvary and suffered through the cross. And when he died, we died with him. Galatians 2 and 22. Let's continue on verse 56 and 57. It says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Everybody say the victory. victory. Ask your neighbor, you got the victory? We grew up saying that to each other in church. You got the victory? I got the victory. I got the victory. Notice it says, not in your own strength. Notice it does not say, not in your own religiosity. Notice that it does not say, not because you pray so long, or you fast so long, or you give so much, or you've done so much. It doesn't say that you have victory as a result of your own works or your accomplishments. It says that you have the victory, not because you're so good, but because Jesus is so good that you have the victory through Jesus Christ. Somebody ought to get happy about that, because that is good news. That is the gospel. So I'm going to give you guys three quick points as I start, taken from this passage and a few others, that is true about you when you confess Christ and follow Him. Number one, death no longer has any victory over you when you die. That's number one. Just write that down. Number two, the fact that Jesus has resurrected changes everything about your life. It gives you hope for the future and gives your faith meaning in the present. That's number two. First Corinthians fifteen thirteen says, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is done in vain and your faith is in vain. This is so important. Like I mentioned, it's a fundamental fact that Jesus resurrected from the dead. It's more of a fact historically than Shakespeare living. Have you guys ever heard that before? But there's actually more records stating that Jesus resurrected from the dead and is alive than there is evidence that Shakespeare lived. You can deny it, right? You can try to convince people otherwise. But the reality is, Jesus rose again. So I think they're going to end up beating you guys. The reality is that Jesus rose again. Amen? Jesus is alive, and this changes everything. Without the resurrection, everything that we do would be absolutely worthless. Here's point three. Because he rose again, so will I. Because Jesus rose again, so will I. 2 Timothy 1 and 10 says, Our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death. Christ has dealt a death blow to death itself. He has abolished death through the resurrection. He proclaimed himself. Notice that he didn't send a prophet to proclaim this about him. He said, I am the prophet. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the author and the finisher. I proclaim this about myself. I don't need anybody to testify about it. I don't need anybody to write record of it. I'm going to resurrect myself 
and he stepped out of the grave and he proclaimed himself to conquer death. He abolished death. And because he did this for you and you're in him, you have received grace to do the very same. The most infamous passage of scripture on the planet, John 3 and 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If you're a Christian, you can take heart that you will not die. I know that's a tough one to say amen to, but I'll prove it here in just a minute. As Christians, we have been rescued from death's victory. We have been rescued from death's sting. No, death no longer has any victory over us when our flesh passes. Death no longer has any sting when our flesh passes. Jesus has defeated death. Therefore, it is promised that we will also. Now, I recognize that we all deal with death. Like this is, I gave you these three points because I want to encourage you. I want to proclaim truth to you. But also at the same time, there's a reality to this life. And that is that we all come face to face at times with death. Right? Isn't that true? Like we all experience that. And one of the things that coming face to face with death causes us to do is it causes us to examine not our natural death, but our spiritual life. You know, just a few weeks ago, um, you know, I was, I was a part of a funeral service for my cousin who passed suddenly and tragically at 27 years of age. It's not something that's supposed to happen. You know, you're never supposed to have that type of an experience uh, with, with your own family or in your own life. But this was something that we were faced with. And it's very common for me anytime that I attend a funeral is that when you look over a casket and you're faced with death, you're also confronted by your own spiritual life. And you have to ask yourself the question, am I living in a way that is pleasing to God? Or am I living in a way that is pleasing only to myself? Am I living in such a way that I would be proud of the legacy I left behind if I was in this casket today? Or am I living in such a way that is just absolutely regrettable? The question that we all are faced with when we look upon death is this, am I living for God or am I living for myself? Am I living, am I truly, truly, truly in your heart, are you living for God or are you living for yourself? And we all cannot hide from our own answer to that question. We can't lie to God and we can't really lie to ourselves. We know the answer to that question and there's nothing like natural death that would cause us to be confronted with that question. Am I living for God or am I living for myself? And what Paul goes on to talk about in this lengthy chapter is that when that day comes for you, for, for, for you, when you die a natural death and we celebrate your funeral, you know, and your life and all of the great exploits that you did, the history that you wrote, the nations that you turned upside down, all the souls that have come into the kingdom as a result of your obedience to the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm going to try to preach my own funeral. I think I'll probably record it and have them play it. You know what I mean? Right. But when that time comes for me, when that time comes for you, Paul encourages us with these words. He said, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Christians don't die. Christians are changed. 
We shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. So can I tell you again, you're not going to die. You'll just be changed. You'll, 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 you'll put off a perishable body. You'll put on an imperishable body. You'll put on immortality and forever you will be able to live a resurrected reigning life with your God, your Savior, Jesus Christ. You will get to live there and with other people who have also been resurrected, perhaps other people that you didn't even like in this life. Perhaps other people that you thought shouldn't be saved or that Jesus couldn't get to them. You'll live with them too. This is the promise that Paul encourages us with. He said, hey, don't fear death. I don't want you to be afraid of that day because it's not that you're going to die. It is that that you will be changed. And this is good news for us. This is the gospel for us. We don't have to fear that day. But not only do we not have to fear death naturally one day, we do not have to fear death spiritually today. We don't have to live in a perpetual state of darkness because death is really just the absence of life. And there's a lot of people out there, maybe even some people here today who've not had a funeral yet, but they live in such a way that is completely absent of real life. You couldn't confess abundance of life. You couldn't confess hope for the future. You've already died on the inside and you say, I have no hope for the future. I don't know what's coming around the curve, but it doesn't matter. It's never good. I don't know why I'm alive. I'm not living for anything. I'm never going to be any, anybody. I'm never going to become great. I'm just going to live the rest of my days out in this hopelessness, in this severe discouragement, disillusionment, depression, abandonment, and I'm sad and I'm not experiencing any life. Jesus didn't just come to save you after the fact that you've died and you get to go to heaven. Jesus came to save you in this life now so that you did not experience spiritual darkness now, but that you could experience an abundance of light and love and life in this life today, right now. That's resurrection life. That's what Paul is teaching us in 1 Corinthians 15. And when you're faced with this spiritual uh, darkness, you can take heart in knowing that you have been delivered from death through Jesus already. You are delivered. Now, there's a reason why that we've all experienced this darkness. There's a reason why we all experience um, death. There's a reason why we all experience hopelessness. And the Bible is very clear in 1 Corinthians 15 that the reason for that is sin. Now, I want to talk about sin just for a minute, okay? I'm not going to belabor the point. Don't worry. I'm not going to preach hell so hot that your tennis shoes start to melt. I'm not going to condemn you or be mean to you if you've heard messages like that. I used to give them as a youth pastor. But there is a reality to sin, right? Which, could, could we all agree? There is a reality. Like uh, Romans 3 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is Right. And so we live in despair. We live in darkness. We live in death when we, you know, knowingly, consciously, purposely, intentfully interact with sin and, and commit sin. And that's what uh, Paul is telling us that Jesus came to deliver us from. Uh, actually, I misquoted Romans 3.23 actually says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
So he, he also tells us that the power of sin is the law. And so just in case we thought we were good people, just in case we thought we had it all together, just in case that we thought we could save ourselves or that we were pretty righteous or pretty good already, yeah. Jesus tells us that the law has been given to us to reveal the places where we've missed the mark. And that's what sin means. If you break it down in the original language and you get a translation, this is what it means. Sin means to miss the mark. And that's why God gave us the law. He gave us the law so that he could reveal to us where we've missed the mark. And it's good that he did that because none of us are able to deliver ourselves from death, decay, or despair. None of us have that ability within ourselves. And we don't have to because Jesus did it for us. Without his help, death and darkness would be our permanent home. But with Jesus and his victory, we have been given the opportunity to overcome death, despair, and the sting of death and the grave. And I think that's good news. What about you guys? We may be able to alter our lives slightly. We may be able to get rich. We may be able to become successful. We may be able to get famous. There are many things that we might be able to do in these perishable bodies that we have. But on the inside, in our spirits, we will be dead so long as we try to overcome sin on our own. We may try to help ourselves uh, in this life, but nothing that we do will ever work out long term. Look at Romans 7 and 18, the way Paul says it. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. How many of you guys can, like, connect with Paul in this passage right here? You're like, yeah, I, I, know what, I know what you're talking about, Paul. I know that that's right. And that's where we are, really, without Jesus, without his victory over death and the grave. We have no ability to save ourselves. And, and sin doesn't just put us in the doghouse with God. Sin actually puts us in the morgue. Like, that's what, that's what sin does. It doesn't put us in the doghouse. It puts us in the morgue. We become enemies of God. We're dead to God. And, and without Jesus, this is the life that we're sentenced to live. But Ephesians 2, and two, well, Ephesians 2 and 2 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead. This is our reality as people that sin and live without Jesus. But. Everybody say, But. but. Let's read verse 57. It says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you find yourself today, you know, even answering the question that I posed of, like, yeah, I'm not living for God. I, I'm honestly living for myself. I want to ask you just to examine that because there is a way for you to wake up. Like, there is a way for you to be resurrected today. There is a way for you to live an abundant life today. There is a way for you to get up out of the grave. And you are able to do that, not in your own strength, not because of your own great choices, but because of what Jesus has accomplished through his resurrection. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the good news. The good news is that we have a Savior, that there is a way for us to be alive, that there is a way for us to be free from the power of sin, that there is a way for us to overcome the death of depression. 
Jesus because of what he's done. And you know, Jesus can deliver us from sin because he's conquered sin himself. That's why he has permission. He's able to do it because he's conquered sin himself. First Peter 2 and 22 says he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. That's why Jesus can free us from sin. Jesus not only frees us from sin, but he also frees us from death. 2 Timothy 1 and 10 says, It has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. These are the truths that we celebrate. These are the truths that we confess on Easter Sunday. And I want, I want, to, I want to tell you, church, like it's, it's not just elementary principles that we learn in Sunday school and then move beyond from. Because I don't know about you, but I still fall short of the glory of God often. I still sin. I still make mistakes. I may have confessed Jesus as a child, but as a grown-up, we go through some things. And I make mistakes at times. I don't know about you guys. And I sin at times. I fall short at times. And this is the gospel. Whether you've been living for God for two minutes, for 20 years, we all have the opportunity here on Easter Sunday to get up out of the grave, be set free of our despair and our darkness, and walk out an abundance of life in Jesus Christ. We all have that opportunity. And so as, as I'm finishing... You know, I, I really want to talk about just, just a few things. I, I'm, I'm really done, but talk about a few things, which is this. Let's answer this question. So how do you get free? Like, how do you get free from death? How do you get free from sin in the grave? Let's read Romans 10, 9 and 10. says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Mark 16, 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. I'm going to create some space now, some time for us to respond um, to the gospel. I, I want us to respond to Jesus' salvation. If you guys don't mind just to stand up real quick. This is how we're going to finish today. Jesus, we just say thank you. We say thank you, God, for setting us free. We say thank you, Lord, for setting us free from death. We say thank you, Jesus, for your victory over death. We say thank you, Jesus, for your victory over sin, that we don't have to continue in our cycle of sin, that we don't have to continue in our death and our despair and our darkness, but because you resurrected, Lord, we're able to live with you. So right now, what I want to do is I just want to invite you to step into a life and salvation with Jesus. If you guys don't mind, just close your eyes and bow your head. Nobody looking around. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to create some space and opportunity for you to come home today. For you to come back to God. 
maybe for the first time, maybe for the fifth time, the time doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus and his saving power and his resurrection power in your life today. And if that's you and you want us to pray with you right now, I just want you to courageously shoot your hand up in the air because we want to welcome you home all together. Awesome, I see you. Amazing. Awesome, I see you. I see you guys. Incredible. Awesome, I see you. Amen. So today what we're going to do is we're going to pray together as a family and we're going to welcome some beloved sons and daughters into the family of God. We say, Jesus, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I declare that I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. I am saved. I believe and I'm justified. I confess and I'm saved. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.